is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. If you know the book of Daniel and you know where we've got to, we're in chapter 6 this morning, which is Daniel and the lion's den. Hey! Now, in Daniel and the lion's den is a, a well-known biblical story, isn't it? And if you grew up in uh, a church environment, if you went to Sunday school as a kid, I can almost guarantee that at some point you had a Sunday school lesson about Daniel and the lion's den. Did you not? I know I, know I did. I, I, I remember that. You know, it's, it's a classic Sunday school story. But actually, when you read it, you think, I'm not sure if it's suitable for kids. I mean, you know, it should be an 18-rated story. I mean, it's a story of political backbiting, of conspiracy, of intrigue. You know, it would make a great movie, wouldn't it? Has anybody made a movie of it? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know you could, yeah, I'm sure it would make a fantastic film. I mean, what goes on in Daniel chapter 6 beats anything that's going on in Parliament these days. I mean, you know, it, it beats parliamentary expenses into, I don't know what. But, you know, this is real political backbiting. And, uh, you know, the, the guys are out to get him. And, uh, you know, you, you get all sorts of leaks these days, don't you? Emails that find themselves to news corporations. Well, there's none of that here. It's just, let's just kill him off. I'm not quite sure how democratic system has got quite that bad to my knowledge at least okay so I'm hoping you've found uh, Daniel's chapter 6 by now be it in print or in an electronic form we'll read it together it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them one of whom was Daniel the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So, the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all decreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. 
Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went back as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then, <clears throat> then the king returned to the palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and many of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story of Daniel. Thank you for all that we have learned so far in this book. And we, we pray now this morning you speak to us again from this chapter. We thank you for your words to us. Make them come alive now. Holy Spirit, please apply them to our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there are three things we're going to look at this morning, or we're going to look at this passage, if you like, under three headings. <clears throat> They're jealousy, loyalty, and deliverance. Jealousy, loyalty, and deliverance. So to start with then, jealousy. 
Daniel, it seems from this chapter that we've read together, was the victim of jealous colleagues. You notice what happened at the beginning of, of chapter 6 there. He's doing really well. He's, uh, he's serving the king faithfully. He's working hard. And he so distinguishes himself that the king plans to promote him, not just over the 120, if you like, sort of regional uh, regional governors, they may have been these satraps, not just, not just as one of the administrators, but he plans to set Daniel over his whole kingdom. Daniel is doing so well. And Daniel wasn't a, a, a young guy by this point. He was no spring chicken. He would have been well into his 80s. But he's still working hard. He's still faithfully serving God. There's no thought of retirement for Daniel, is there? He isn't just sort of waiting to get his golf clubs out and sort of hang out with his uh, favourite iron on his favourite tea, just passing the time of day. There's none of that for Daniel. He's working hard and he's doing really well. He was about to get promoted above his colleagues. He was trustworthy. The Bible tells us he was trustworthy. He was not corrupt and he was not negligent. Verse 4 there. He was the model employee, wasn't he? He probably had Employee of the Month award once or twice stuck up on his wall. But Daniel suffered because of it. Not from the king, because the king was really pleased with him, but from his colleagues and those he was working with. They didn't like it. Similar, if you like, to, uh, to Joseph. If you remember the story of Joseph, he was a victim of his brother's jealousy and uh, of jealousy uh, and desire to of Potiphar's wife who, who wanted him and couldn't have him. Both of these characters, both Daniel and Joseph, were faithful under pressure. When the pressure is on, when others were jealous of what they were doing and their success, they stayed true to their gods. I wonder... Have you experienced the jealousy of other people? Maybe, you know, you're in a working environment, you've been working hard, you've been diligent, you've been trustworthy, you haven't been corrupt or negligent, and whilst your boss may have been pleased with that, there's others in the office who perhaps weren't so impressed. You know, you don't slack off early. You, you don't just sort of eke out those extra moments from your lunch break. You don't just try and get away with a bare minimum. You, you know it's a good witness to God to work hard and be, be faithful at work. And, and you're trying to do that well. But you see, light shows up darkness. And if you're there as a light shining brightly, it can shine into the darkness. It can sh- shine up and show up darkness in others. Other people may not like your high standards. You know, you might suffer because of it. Maybe you've been in that environment. And the trouble is, if there's one person in the team who's working really hard and really going for it, if the rest of the team are just slacking off, it, it shows them up, doesn't it? And that's what had been happening here. You know, Daniel was so faithful. He was so exemplary in his work, actually so gifted by God that showed the others up for perhaps what they really were. Maybe that's been true of you. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know that applies to Daniel? I think it applies to Daniel. Jesus goes on. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus expected this to happen. And you and I shouldn't be surprised when it gets tough. Now we've been talking in this series, haven't we? We've, we've called the series Faith That Works. And whilst it's not exclusively applying it to a working environment, much of what we've learned from Daniel does apply to a work environment. And they can be tough. You probably know that if you've ever been in any work environment. But Jesus never promised an easy ride. You know, sometimes we, we sell the Christian gospel. We sell the message as, you know, come to Jesus. Your, your sins will be forgiven. And uh, you'll know the presence of God in your life. And uh, you'll know that you'll get to heaven when you die. And all those things are true. Every one of them. But often what we miss out when we're perhaps explaining to somebody what it means to follow Jesus is, and you'll suffer, you'll get falsely accused, you'll be persecuted, you might be sacked, you might even lose your life. Who used those phrases last time they were witnessing to somebody? We don't, do we? But actually, do you know what? Both sets of phrases are equally true. In the same way that a coin has got two sides. The Christian gospel as well. Both of these things are true. It's like two sides of the same coin. Yes, it's right. Come to Jesus. Know your sins forgiven. Know the peace of God in your heart. Know the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. Know that you'll be with him when you die. All those things are true. But equally true, Jesus says, are you going to get persecuted, insulted? It's, it goes with the territory. And we need to expect it. Sometimes we, we get surprised, don't we? Sometimes as Christians, we get surprised when the going gets tough. What's much better for us is to know in advance that the going will get tough. Be prepared for it. Understand that it's part of the deal. Understand that you know, it's going to happen. Some, at some point in life, even if you've had a life so far that there has been no stress, no pressure, nothing has ever gone wrong for you, I want to tell you, it won't always be like that. Most of us know that. Most of us have experienced that. And friends, it's much better for us to know that up front, to understand it, and to prepare for it, so that when those times of trial or testing, or persecution come, the wheels don't fall off. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes we can think, oh no, this got difficult. Or there's some stress here or some pressure. God doesn't love me anymore. You know, I've heard Christians say that. Oh, it's all gone wrong. Maybe God's left me. But actually, if we read our Bible and, and understood truly what God was saying to us, we'd know that actually stress and pressure and persecution, Jesus said, it's part of the deal. It's not that God has left us. Jesus promised it. We should expect it. And when it comes, we have an opportunity for us to stay faithful to God and for God to break in. So friends, don't be surprised when it gets like that. But actually be prepared for it. Understand that it's going to happen. What did Daniel do? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. 
But there's no sense of him saying, oh no, I've been faithful to God all these years. I'm now 80-something years old and now you know, God's left me. There's none of that with Daniel at all, is there? We'll see what Daniel did in just a moment. But Jesus says, when these things happen to us, it won't be easy, but it will be worth it because Jesus says, great is your reward in heaven. That's something to look forward to. Great is your reward in heaven. It might be tough now, but God knows about it. It's not that somehow you're outside his vision and he's just missed you. <laughs> he's been looking after everybody else. But, oh, I just forgot so-and-so. I just couldn't see them. I didn't see what they was going on. I somehow missed it. It's not the case at all. God knows. It's not that he's forgotten you. It's not that somehow he, he missed it. It's not that he's left you. Great is your reward in heaven, Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward in heaven. You see, Daniel's colleagues dreamt up, a, dreamt up a plan to get him killed off. That's what they were up to, wasn't it? You know, they wanted him out of the picture. It wasn't just they wanted him you know, not working anymore. It wasn't, wasn't just sort of, you know, sacked. I mean, it, it was just like they wanted him killed off. They wanted him totally out of the picture. And they knew that the only way of getting to Daniel was through his commitment to God. And their plan played into Darius's false sense of self-importance. Oh, king, live forever. Wouldn't you like it if everybody prayed to you? Well, well you know, oh, okay. You know, Darius didn't say, well, that's a bad idea. He said, well, you know, that sounds good. I'll, I'll go with that. 30 days, I'm, I'm happy with that. And foolishly, he issued this decree, which then couldn't be cancelled. Once it was in writing, that was it. Daniel's colleagues were jealous of his success. Before we leave this point for a moment and look at what Daniel did, let me ask you a question. How about you? Is jealousy a problem for you? Daniel's colleagues were jealous of his success. Is jealousy ever a problem for you? How about envy? Another similar word we might use. Normally, we think about jealousy and envy associated with things, don't we? So you can be envious of someone's uh, house or car or, or whatever it might be that they have that you don't have that you would like. But what we see in Daniel 6 here is these guys are jealous of Daniel as an individual. They're jealous of him as a person. So what about you? What about people around you? Maybe at work, for example. Maybe somebody else gets promoted when you thought you were in line for that job. You know, you've been working hard, putting in the extra hours, getting a good report, and then someone else just gets the job. Other people's promotions, other people's successes, other people's pay rises. Ever been a problem for you? What about in relationships? You can get jealous there too. You know, can be jealous of somebody else's relationship. Maybe they're married and you're not. Or maybe they've got, you know, something that, that you haven't in that relationship. Someone else's talent, perhaps, you can be jealous of or, or envious of. You think, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I, could, I wish I could do that. What about in the church? You think, in the church? Really? Yeah. But yeah, friends, it's easy to get jealous of people in the church. 
you can think, oh, well, how come they're doing that? You know, well, why, why are they organising that day? Or why are they speaking there? You know, oh, I've been doing this just as long and how come they've got that opportunity? Or how about they're on the leadership team now? Or how about why are they leading a small group and why not me? And, and it can just consume us. Jealousy and envy, we need to watch out for it. Not just in a working environment or in relationships or when it comes to stuff, but even in the church as well. Let's, be, let's, let's watch out for it. The Bible is very clear. Don't get jealous. Exodus 20, 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor, including his widescreen telly, his iPad, his new car, his brand new five-bedroom detached house. And so the list goes on. Oh, you should not cover your neighbor's position or what they do or their family circumstances or anything else you could add to the list. Jealousy is a sin. It eats us up from the inside out. Other people don't see it, do they? But you know about it because it's in there and it eats you up from the inside out and it gets in the way of your relationship with God. If that's you, if you think for any of those things, you know what, yeah, there's some part of jealousy in me, then this morning I want to urge you and encourage you to repent. And as you do that, and as you come to God and repent, then God forgives and gives grace to help you deal with it. And I feel God wants to do that this morning. He wants to forgive and he wants to give grace to help you deal with the situation. Don't just stand back and go, well, sort it out yourself. No, no, God comes to us in our time of weakness and need. And if we come to God saying, God, I'm sorry, this is a problem, will you help me? God loves to answer prayers like that. And I feel this morning God wants to do that. But let's look at Daniel. We need to press on. So we've got jealousy of uh, Daniel's co-workers, of the other people that he's serving the king with. So what do we know about Daniel? What does he do? What can we see about him? Well, the word that sums up Daniel is this, loyalty, loyalty. So the king has issued this rather foolish decree that no one should pray to anything or anyone else other than him for 30 days. So what does Daniel do? What's going to happen? This is now a test for Daniel. What happens? Well, he, it's not that he even goes home and, you know, oh, I think, so. Oh, what can I do? What can I do? I know, we'll shut the windows, close the door, draw the curtains so that no one can see. And Daniel doesn't even do that. Daniel passes this test with flying colours. He's been faithful to God for years now. We've, we've read about Daniel in these chapters. We've, we've read about Daniel right from when probably he was a teenager when he was first taken from his home off to Babylon. And right from the days of his probably mid-teens or thereabouts, right the way into what commentators reckon is now his 80s, Daniel has been faithful. Time and again, different things have happened. Daniel has been faithful. And he's got history with God. He knows he's God by now. He knows that what it is to remain faithful to him. And he's got some good habits 
that he has got into over many years that help him in his relationship with his God. So what does he do? He does the same thing he's always done. He goes home and he prays by his window. That's what he's always done. He's probably done it for the best part of 70 odd years. And he does it even in these circumstances. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. It's what he's always done. Times of pressure or stress are not the time to ditch good habits. They're not the time to think, oh, pressure, stress, can't be doing with that now. They're not the time to ditch good habits that have helped you in your relationship with God. For years, Daniel had prayed in this pattern. This is what, this is what works for him. He knows that. It's how he meets with his God. So in times of difficulty, that's what he does. What do you do in a time of crisis, time of pressure? So we've said already, if you haven't had one yet, you will. What are you going to do? Times of crisis or stress are not the time to ditch good habits and patterns that you've built up over years. And you know what it is for you. You know where it is that you meet with God best. You know perhaps what time of the day works for you. You know maybe there's somewhere you go and you go there, you know you're going to meet with God. You've just got into that routine, it works for you. Listen, when the pressure's on, when times are difficult, That's not the time to ditch that. That's the time to carry on with that and keep encountering God. You know, times of pressure or stress, they're not ideal times to create those new habits or patterns with God either. Much better you create them earlier and keep at them in those sort of times. And if they're not there, you might have to create them in those times. But I want to suggest to you it's better to create them before then. Get into that good routine. Know what it is that where, you, where you encounter God. Know how you encounter God. So in times of stress or pressure, you can go back to him in those moments in that way. James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Don't be surprised, as we said earlier. You will face trials. If you're going through one now, keep going. Don't stop. Keep being faithful to God. And if you're not in this season, then prepare for it. I'm not saying get all downcast and depressed about it, going, oh, it's going to happen to me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just get into some good patterns. Prepare for it so that when difficulty comes, you're not surprised. You know how to handle it. You know maybe what God has spoken to you about. You know how you meet with him and how you hear from him. The issue is is not will you face a trial of some kind. It's the issue is what will you do when you face that trial? How will you respond? Daniel remained faithful. What will you do? I wonder, could he write a book about you? How you responded in the trial? I know for many of you, you could. You could because I know many of you have gone through things and been faithful to God in those things. The book could be written about you. I want to encourage you. Keep going. Keep being faithful. Keep hanging on to God. Don't give up. Keep receiving his grace afresh every morning. It needs to be every morning. 
It just seems to run out. <laughs> you know, we, we use it all up. But God gives us what we need each day. It's not that he gives us a month's worth in one go. He says, okay, come back on the first of the month next time. God encounter, wants to encounter us on a daily basis and give us what we need. Daniel remained faithful. His foundation was his relationship with God and it was prayer that fueled it. Why was prayer so important to Daniel? I reckon there are three things. I think it connected him to God, it increased his trust in God and it changed his heart. It connected him to God. In these moments, he heard from God. In these moments of praying, he felt God's heart. It's not that prayer is an end in itself. It's that prayer connects you to God. In those moments, you get to hear from him, hear his heart. He speaks to you. That's what was important to Daniel. It increased his trust in God as well. Daniel got to know his God, and that increased his trust in him. The more you get to know God, the more you'll trust him. Getting to know him, one of the ways happens through prayer. Thirdly, it changed his heart. He became more sensitive to the voice of God. He became more obedient. He was able to hear from God as he spent time with him. Don't you want that? We do, don't we? And it's in moments of prayer and encountering God that we learn to hear his voice. It's in those moments of stillness where the other voices are silent. We get to hear that quiet whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Prayer was so important to Daniel. I wonder, is it equally important to you this morning? I know we all live what seems to be busy and crazy lives and uh, that go at a right speed. But even in those type of lives, we need to create space and time for God. Daniel had a position right at the top of government. You know, he was over all these uh, satraps, administrators, working with them for the king. I mean, he, he was a busy guy. But still he created time and space to be with his God. How's your prayer life? You know, it's not about saying your prayers. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus. It's prayer that fuels that. But you know, like any relationship, it needs working out. It needs working out. Sarah and I know that if we don't spend good time together, we notice it. We miss it. We think, ah, is there something not right in our relationship? Ah, oh, yeah, we haven't spent some good time together. It becomes obvious. We, we know we need that for, with one another. Do you know you need that with the Lord as well? Do you notice it when you don't? God wants that for you. And he wants that relationship with you. A vibrant prayer life will connect you to God. It will increase your trust in him. And it will change your heart to be more like his. Don't we want that? I know that we do. Well, just before we finish, we get to deliverance. We can't not look at this. This is the moment where God breaks in and God acts. We've looked at jealousy. We looked at Daniel's loyalty and faithfulness and now we see God's deliverance. You know the story, don't you? We've read it. Daniel gets thrown into the den of lions and woe behold, the lions aren't hungry. Ah, surprise. You know, Daniel gets thrown in and like MacGyver, he, he gets out some rope that he's got in his pocket. He quickly ties the lion's mouth up and he just sits around and watches them overnight. Is that what happens? The Bible's really clear about what happens. 
Daniel understands it completely. He says that my, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. We don't know whether Daniel saw the angel, whether the angel was sitting there with Daniel, or whether it's just that the mouths had their lions shut, uh, so, sorry, the, the lions rather, had their mouths shut and he knew that that's what had happened. The Bible doesn't tell us, but Daniel's very clear. God did it. It wasn't they weren't hungry. It wasn't that Daniel had a roll of elastoplast and some gaffer tape in his pocket. You can use gaffer tape for a whole bunch of things. I'm not sure about lion's mouths. I haven't tried it. But it's none of that. God did it. God delivered him. God rescued him. And we see that the king is overjoyed. And immediately what happens, Daniel gets winched out in the morning. It's probably going to be a pit, so his rope gets thrown down probably. He gets winched out. He's fine. And the king orders that Daniel's accusers and their wives and children get thrown into the pit of lions. And before they even reach the bottom, that's it. The lions overpower them. You can think, oh, that's a bit gruesome, isn't it? The Bible makes no comment about it. That's just how it was in ancient kingdoms with rulers that didn't follow gods. That's just the environment that he was in. But clearly, God delivered Daniel. And you see, sometimes when you're persecuted, when you're under pressure, God breaks in like that. In just that way. Now's the lions, they're shut. God delivers. But you know what? Sometimes we go through things and it doesn't work out like that. History is full of faithful men and women who are martyred for their faith, who have lost their lives for being faithful to Jesus. It's reckoned that even now there are 200 million Christians suffering for their faith every day, from Cuba to North Africa to the Muslim Middle East, India and the rest of South Asia, North Korea, China, Vietnam, Indonesia and others. See, even now, there are people suffering in that way for their faith. Actually, more people lost their lives, more people were martyred as Christians in the 20th century than in the rest of Christian history put together. People like Maximilian Kobe, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Martin Luther King, and lots of others that you and I have never heard of. But that God knows. God knows. Does that mean God failed? Does that mean it went wrong? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It means that we're called to be faithful to God whatever the outcome. We've seen that earlier in Daniel, haven't we? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, well, you know, we're not going to bow down to anything else and God can rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we still want to be faithful to him. That should be our response, shouldn't it? That's what it means to be faithful to God. However, the Bible is very clear. A day is coming when there'll be no more mourning and no more pain. It's a day of judgments, a day when a righteous God will open the books, open the records. And that day is coming. We don't know when it will be. We're in what the Bible calls the last days now. We're certainly closer to it than we have been, but we don't know when it will be. But a day is coming. There'll be no more mourning, 
no more pain. All those things will be put right. And actually, that's what the rest of Daniel is about. We'll get into that in the next few weeks. Because the rest of Daniel looks forward, much of it, to that day. That day, actually, when Jesus will return. This is going to be a glorious day. No more mourning and no more pain. It's a day that's ahead of us to come. So the first half of the book of Daniel shows us that God is in control. God is on the throne. You can see that time and again right throughout the first half of the book of Daniel. These six chapters we looked at over recent weeks. Actually, all of Daniel shows us that. Even the bits we'll get into in the next few weeks that are somehow much harder to understand and difficult to grapple with and comprehend with our human minds. Actually, the whole of Daniel shows us that God is in control. He is on the throne. He is the one who raises up. He is the one who puts down earthly rulers. He can and he does break in unexpectedly to this world that he created. So do you know him? Do you know him? Have you, had a, have you got that relationship with him? Do you have the sort of prayer life that Daniel had? Perhaps the band can come up, please. This morning, I just feel that God wants to invite you into either a new or a deeper relationship with him. Daniel 6 is the account of a man who had a vibrance and a very real relationship with his God through prayer. And because of that, he was able to stay faithful to him when the pressure was on, when the heat was turned up, when the lions were sort of, you know, all ready to eat him up. He was able to stay faithful to his God. To go deeper with God, to go further, to have a greater experience of him. Actually, friends, it's not about a Sunday morning experience. You know, I love worshipping God with you guys. I really do. I look forward to it. I love being together uh, in, in this sort of corporate context and encountering God. I love it. I love the sort of things we talked about in terms of us going to North in the summer. A couple of other thousand people worshipping Jesus together. I love it. It will be great. It really will. I know God will meet us. But those things, or even Sunday morning, will not sustain you on its own. It wasn't a weekly thing that sustained Daniel. Three times a day, just as he's always done. He got down on his knees and he spent time with his God. I'm not saying for you it's got to be three times a day like that. But how is it for you? How is your relationship with God sustained? This morning God wants to invite you into a new and deeper relationship with him through prayer. How are you going to respond? Let's stand together, can we? We're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this story of Daniel. Thank you for all that we've seen through this book. Lord God, thank you that time and again, Daniel and his friends are faithful to you. So God, we want to pray this morning that we will be faithful to you. Lord, in times of pressure or difficulty, times of challenging circumstances, when everything seems stacked up against us, God, we want to pray that we will be faithful to you in those moments. In those times, Lord, help us to be like Daniel, somebody who knew his God, 
somebody who was sustained by a great relationship with you, Father, will that be true of each of us, please? Help us with these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.